Hello, and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and this is episode number 41 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the best Disney dark rides and exactly what do we mean by a dark ride attraction we've talked about several before and there are honestly a few ways to think about a dark ride and in fact that's one of the things that we're going to be discussing in the beginning of today's episode is exactly how we would define dark rides at disney and then what our picks would be for some of our favorites i have a new guest on the show who i'll be introducing in just a minute and of course at the end of the show i'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the imagineer podcast in all of our social media channels and how you can help to create and inspire the future of the show so grab some headphones pull up your favorite armchair and enjoy this episode of the imagineer podcast So when you think about Disney parks, one of the things that makes Disney really unique and that Disney does probably better than anybody else is when it comes to their dark ride attractions. And we've talked about dark rides before on the podcast, but we haven't gone through necessarily a top 10 list to rank our favorite dark rides. So I thought that would be what we talk about today. And we have a new guest on the podcast who I've known for many years, who has not been on the show yet, but I'm glad we were able to get him on the show for this episode. And that is Brian Sager, uh, also known as Skywalker Brian. So welcome to the show, Brian. Hi, guys. How's it going? I'm good. Thank you. I know everyone else listening is good, too. At least I hope you are. So (laughs) if you're not, reach out to me. Let me know what I can do to help. Um, So, Brian, I know that you're obviously active on Instagram, and that's just one of the places that you are uh, where you're present, but you have a much larger presence than that. So I don't know if anyone listening is following you already. If they're not, they should. But how, you know, what what do you do in the world of Disney? Because I know you have a very specific presence and you talk about Disney news. So just talk a little bit about your, uh, your whole page and presence. Well, for me, it was just like, you know, like any core passion, it was just like, try to understand, like, you know, you're going to the theme parks for fun and, you know, just, you know, saying like, Oh, what's all the new happenings or like for attractions and like festivals for, um, you know, foot, like say like, you know, food and wine or flower, flower garden. But then again, when I, and I would, then it came to me all of a sudden in 2015 that, that this is a huge multi-billion dollar industry and how much, uh, not just from, just from a fan perspective, from also from a business and, uh, management and consumer perspective and how much of like, you know, like it just found it fascinating to me, to me how much the, you see like, you know, how much like the, like say for example, how much like park attendance has been, you know, going up and down, like, cause in, in this game, because like, it's just not Disney. It's just like focusing, like, uh, we were discussing before, just like, how like our theme parks are doing, like how's like universal doing. And like, you know, because it's just for, Orlando is just a huge central hub for all, like, I try bringing the, try bringing the, to the guests to the, bringing to the best of the best. 
I mean, look, as we said before, the Wizard of Harry Potter was definitely the game changer for Disney, and they had to gradually and they like invest of like putting more money to the getting more get, better guest satisfaction. And to me, I just found that very fa- fascinating. Then I just started like branching my horizons out. Then I started getting to knowing like, um, you know, like some like, you know, professionals in the industry. Um, <clears throat> I personally have a friend of mine who works for uh, Walt Disney Imagineering. Uh, he was a former Disney animator. Um, he's a friend of mine. His name is Lon Smart. Um, then he, then he just got introduced me to ours, like professionals, like a, for universal creative. Um, I recently got to know Jason surreal from, from the, from the haunted mansion. Um, you know, it just, it, to me, it's just like the bit, like the business side of things and how I see it, like saying that, well, it's just, you know, it's, you just, you're just not seeing from a fan. You're, you're a fan, but then again, you aren't trying to understand like how is it, you're going to see like, what's the future of Disney parks and how much they're like, cause now these days it's mostly uh, IPs or intellectual properties are being put to also the parks. So that's where I feel like my whole core of it, because I've been visited by both the Disneyland and Walt Disney world, but in the cruise lines, but I haven't seen the international parks yet, parks yet. So that's not on my, my next, on my bucket, my bucket list. So for my next goal. Yeah. I have many international parks left to go to as well. Mm. I've just gone to Paris and that is it. So, <laughs> yeah. but I'm glad I have at least that one checked off. Mm-hmm. Uh, which so awesome. And definitely at the end, they'll, you know, give you the chance to kind of plug your, uh, pages where people can follow you and your website and, mm-hmm. uh, slash blog and, uh, you know, where you post all your Disney news. So before we mm-hmm. get to all of that, I definitely, like I do with every new guest want to, have the listeners get to learn a little bit more about you personally and your Disney fandom. So I do have my standard lightning round questions, starting with your favorite Disney park. Favorite Disney park. Oh man. Uh, to me, I am sorry for my, for my uh, like East coast viewers because we're where I'm from. But to me, uh, my first Disney park, believe it or not, was um, I was there before the whole transformation of like, you know, Buena Vista street, I was there and I saw the original California sign. I was there in Disney California adventure when, before they brought over Soren to Epcot. Um, to me, that was like the nostalgia I had seen, like where I did not know that was Walt's creation. That's where a role started. Cause I was only like 12 or 13 as a kid. And I have family lived out there. My aunt lives in uh, Los Angeles and I was there with my cousins. So, to me, that was my, my first part. But then again, when I realized that I started knowing like the park and the history and being like seeing how like what Walt Disney has it did for like that it's for the introduction of like the theme park business. I thought I was like, wow, this this person definitely changed how like we view entertainment and also like the theme parks. It's just it's me. I thought that was very like spiritual and cultivating of how much like Walt Disney like he nearly sacrificed like his like his almost his life just to make like, part of the life and just separate not to be like a dirty uh unorganized park where it's a clean prestigious and treating their cast members and their and it's also he bringing his fans and family over just to stay over to, to, to watch this park so i love that answer and there's no reason to be <laughs> to be sorry yeah. to the east coasters <laughs> i think that speaks volumes about disneyland and i remember going to Disneyland for the first time as well. And when I went before uh, Disney California Adventure Park opened, so it was just the, still the parking lots. Uh, I think they <laughs> might have started construction. Uh, this is going back to 1999 was my first trip to mm-hmm. Disneyland. And I remember it just being 
a very different feeling. You can sense the history. You can tell that Waltz is, has was there, and it's hard to describe because mm-hmm. people think of Disneyland and Magic Kingdom as being the same. But then when you actually go to the park and walk around, and I mean, sure, obviously people know that sure Disneyland is the Matterhorn and Sleeping Beauty Castle as opposed to Cinderella yeah. Castle. So there are those obvious differences, but otherwise they do feel on on paper to be the same park. But then when you go in person. It has a very different feeling to it, which is hard to describe. So mm-hmm. I know there are listeners who are on the East Coast who have not been to Disneyland. You need to go mm-hmm. make the pilgrimage at some point. And also a little fun fact about me is that my birthday is uh, – I was born December 10th. So my birthday is smack dab in the middle when Walt Disney was born – when he was born and when he passed away. So you're right in that magic. Like that. Yes, I am right, I'm right in there. So that's <laughs> yeah. why I kind of like – that's kind of like how like Walt goes in there. It's a little special to me because I'm like, I'm like smack dab in the middle when he was born and when, when he passed away. So it's kind of like – Oh wow! I'm kind of around somewhere famous who I'm like utterly or eagerly obsessed with. So, <laughs> so right around that time. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. So that's your favorite park. What about your favorite Disney attraction? Uh, well, it's you probably given known as the Haunted Mansion. I mean, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll get to that in the dark ride for for, for more details. Actually, in a nutshell. It's probably you can't get any better attraction than that because it was just way ahead of its time and just to me it's it's considered like the god like a dark ride of all dark rides pretty much so yeah we'll definitely talk about that and I think mm-hmm. we're spoiler alert we probably both have that on our list <laughs> yeah. um, but that's not surprising for anyone I'm sure anyone who's listening or the majority of those listening thought about Haunted Mansion when you think about dark rides. Um, what about your favorite Disney movie? Ooh, favorite Disney movie? Ah, uh, well, I get this question a lot of people say because I had to like clarify. I was like, "What is there? Like, are you trying like more like classic Walt Disney animation or Pixar?" And it, it's just like because leave now, it up to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, to me, to me personally, I feel like uh, I know some will tend to disagree, but uh, to me, it's. Uh, Snow White is probably my, my favorite because if you know like the whole history about like how much like really uh, Walt actually bankrupted his company in order to make that movie happen, even though people argue on the flip side of the coin that uh, Pinocchio is the is the most best animated movie that he ever ever uh, you know made, which I do agree, but to me, for I feel like how much he uh, what successfully jumpstarted Walt's career was actually Snow White and Some Doors. I mean. For example, I mean, we had the 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 Oscars wrap up that lot not that long ago, and nobody in the whole entire like decade of like winning Oscars is Walt Disney. Walt Disney has the most successful Oscars in any of the history. I mean, those little mini mini Oscars and that tall stature with being presented by a little little adorable Shirley Temple. I mean, you just cannot get a movie that's that's just revolutionized the animation industry and how we see movies today. Or I think so. I love it. I, you get, I, I'm getting the sense that you are definitely a classics guy because your answer is Disneyland, Haunted Mansion, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I am. Um, yeah, it's it's great that you love that movie because you're you're giving, I think, three answers that no one on the show so far has given, which is awesome yeah. that mm-hmm. you have that unique perspective to give. Um, my last question for you is your favorite Disney character. This is the hardest one. For most people. Oh man, man! This, now this is putting me on the, on the spot. Uh, okay. Since we are, I mean, I know people like you know love the princesses and they love like you know like some of the modern days like Zootopia or even Pixar. 
But for me, I just love for I have I have those like always love like when I know about a story about a story about attraction. I always love like and a character about um within attraction. And to me, uh, we'll talk about a little more uh, for Dark Rise. It to me is the Hatbox Ghost. Uh, I, I love that character. That that is just we'll talk about more like we'll, we'll, for more in depth about. But to me, it's just that that ghost is just mind blowing. How amazing he is. So. That's amazing. I love how you took, again, like uh, something that's totally different because most yeah. people when I ask that question will take something from a movie or a TV show, but you mm-hmm. took it from an attraction. So I love that yeah. answer. But mm-hmm. this is also why I leave it very open ended because I want mm-hmm. to get, especially the listeners, to get a better sense of what you really yeah. enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so here's the fun thing, which I'll let the listeners in now since we, <laughs> we talked a little bit before we started recording, of course. And I know that when we talked about this topic, we left it very broad to talk about the mm-hmm. uh, the best or the top ten quote unquote uh, best Disney dark rides without specifying mm-hmm. location. So I narrowed my search to Walt Disney World, and I think yeah. that you took the broader approach. The broader approach, yeah. yeah. And I do. I actually, I what I did think about two that are in Disneyland, which I can also include in here as well. But I did not mm. think about the international parks, which I should have yeah. or should have specified. But mm-hmm. I think it's still going to be a fun conversation either way. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we even get into what our first one is, uh, I definitely want to hear how you defined a dark ride, because I know there is definitely a theme park definition out there, but I mm-hmm. took a specific approach to how I defined a dark ride for this episode. And I'm curious to hear before I give my answer for how I defined it, how you defined dark rides. So a dark ride to me, if I feel it's like, uh, how can I say this? This is is like, say, trying to say this in a, in like a two sentence answer. (laughs) It's a, to me, it's a, an immersive, uh, telling us immersive, uh, dark telling uh experience uh uh either can be happy can be sad um to me it feels like it's an immersive telling experience to uh you know to shove the story of how each scene is from like start the middle and the ending and how like much of the technology has progressed over the years because the way i was looking up at the definition this has been like around since like the 19th century for a dark ride um for those of there, for your listeners, they're one of the, one of the leading industry, uh, you know, creators in dark rides is Sally Corporation. Sally Corporation, if you know, has been creating dozens and dozens of uh, attractions out there. Um, you know, they've been now they've been rumored to do like a Five Nights at Freddy's attraction that's being licensed by Warner Brothers. If that is still a, still a thing or not, um, but just giving a, a clear clear text of an example, um, but. It's just that you know it can be like those like those back in the days those those amusement parks like those ghost train rides you know like those and they just pop out like these you know animatronic figures that they'll look like they're not advanced like like not like Disney's but it's just to see to me how much the technology has changed from something from like a basic concept to like in a storytelling experience that now a lot more better just a lot more visual quality um, you know it can be media based it can be like a a florist or no media based it's just as long as the story is like more complex and detailed, and then that's your purpose for me. I feel like how I see an example of whatever dark ride is. Awesome. So you really looked at it from the storytelling perspective more yeah. than anything else, which is interesting yeah. because I took a more 
functional, literal type of approach to it. So I, when I was thinking about how I was going to classify my answers, because you can also really define this in different ways and split it up in different ways, and that'll affect the answers that you, you give. I looked at it as a um, any attraction that takes place on a moving vehicle that is indoors and mm-hmm. or covered um, and mm-hmm. does not go outside. So yeah. an example of this for something that would qualify versus not qualify would be, you know, uh, like I'm trying to get something that's not on my list, but uh, I'll say I'll give something that's on my list or not. On my, I'll, actually, I won't say if it's on my list or not, but uh, like Snow White Scary Adventures. That mm-hmm. is yep. completely indoors. It is a moving vehicle, uh, and that's it. It doesn't go outside. But Test Track is primarily a dark ride, but it does yep. go outside into it the does. open at one point. So, so, so I would semi, disqualify semi, Test Track. Yeah, so, sem- <laughs> so semi-dark ride-ish. Yeah, I mean, technically, yeah, yeah. technically, I do think Test Track is a dark ride, but yeah. I disqualified it for this particular episode because it does go outside. The other thing I did, so I'm, I really narrowed my scope here, was yeah. I only considered attractions that don't have a height limit because yeah, I always think yeah. about when I was a kid, the majority of the Disney attractions I enjoyed were those in Fantasyland or Adventureland or Frontierland that didn't necessarily have a height mm-hmm. requirement, uh, especially right. when I was younger and too small to ride a lot of the attractions. So mm-hmm. that's how I defined it. You defined it differently, which is great yeah. because mm-hmm. those will give us some really interesting answers. Yeah. But uh, guests always go first. So, what is the first dark ride you have on your list of top? Okay, dark rides? so for me, uh, for me, actually, a little bit of a little bit of a shock and surprise. Uh, for me, my top for number ten is going to be uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Great uh, answer. Uh, for me, like surprisingly, I believe it or not, I didn't do this to my first time because I just, I, I just did, did not know, like, at, like at the time, it was like, this ride has a call falling that I did not understand. Then when I wrote it, I'm like, what did I just ride? Is is it's like, I was trying to understand the story because like I knew it was such a huge like you know like had a falling here in Walt Disney World before it closed down, but it's still like you know it still open it remains in Disneyland. Uh, it, Sleeping Castle, but when I was reading the story, and I'm like, "Wow, these this is a pretty dark story. This is not something not like a, you know, you see and uh, like, I guess it's it's a little bit like uh, as dark as Snow White's uh, Scary Adventures, in, in my opinion, because you know, Mr. Go- Mr. Toad, he's just like having a good time, and all of a sudden he gets like he makes a deal with the devil, he goes to hell, and then all of a sudden you're just it's just all these things are popping up at you once, and I'm like. Wow, I, I I just I just felt like a little bit, a little bit terrified because of how it's all dark into it. But just because I didn't know the story because I was going there completely blind. But now when I understand, I was like, okay, yeah, this ride definitely has a call following. And I can understand why so many fans like love it. Yeah, it is a it's an interesting ride. It's a little unique for yeah. For Disney, in that sense, I I do it's it's when I included Disneyland, it definitely showed up in my top ten list as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of miss it in Disney World, but yeah. it's it's definitely the most interesting dark ride in that sense, <laughs> both is. from the story perspective and also the 
the vehicle movement. I feel that it has more twists and turns than any, mm-hmm. specifically Fantasyland at least, than any Fantasyland dark ride. Yeah. Uh, mm. And I love, it's such a specific part, but two parts that always get me that I enjoy are number one, mm-hmm. the train scene where you get hit by the train. Yeah, it's a little exactly. convincing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and number two is the pier when you go, when the, when the wheels kind of go over these, uh, mm-hmm. these wood planks and you feel the vehicle exactly. uh, yeah. kind of bouncing around a little bit. So, mm-hmm. um, that's awesome. I, I love that answer. It's, it's definitely mm-hmm. a good one. Um, I will stick with fantasy land and make sure you don't steal one of mine. Um, okay. so, I put for at least I think it's my favorite dark ride in Fantasyland is Peter Pan's Flight. Agreed, agreed. Yes, absolute classic. We know it's been mm-hmm. around in Disneyland for decades. It's of course yes. been around in Disney World for decades as well at the Magic Kingdom. But I love how it's a unique ride itself. Whereas most Fantasyland dark rides, you sit above the track. This is a suspended track, so you're sitting yeah. in a pirate ship below the track which instead of looking up you're looking down you're looking to the side Mm -hmm. Uh, and that gives it such a unique perspective as a kid i always loved the scene of flying over london as an adult Mm -hmm. i now want to stand in the city and walk around (laughs) yeah you know know, like like don't you like what you were like saying when you're riding you're like man i just want to get off the ride and just like walk through like all like the model and everything but exactly but when they added the new enhancements i think what was your was it 2013 or 14 i can't remember when they had the enhancements so i i can't remember but it it was i think it was around there the model like you see like the water is more more like you can see it's like actually it looks like it's realistic water you see the mermaids now they look like they're more um to me i, I feel like they're just you know just look it's just look more realistic and you know in, in like a Walt disney world i mean the thing that i actually was actually did my first time was in 2017 was actually the full q experience and uh for peter pan and that cue, what Walt Disney Imagineering did with Tinkerbell, it was just something that is next level and so interactive. And I'm like, wow, I, I just can't believe how much attention to detail they really just like made the, made the upgrade for uh, Peter, uh, Peter Pan. And the f- funny thing is, I think I remember I was watching a Fastback video, so I was skipping over back to Disneyland. I think that Peter Pan is the the most like has the most guest capacity for the attraction because people so many flood for that for that attraction. And it's just compared to like Haunted Mansion where that can hold so hold so much in this in this in the stretching room. But when I see Cup versus like Peter Pan and Disneyland, I'm like, wow, this is a flood of uh Peter Pan first one that went during Rogue Trap during uh Disneyland. It's just like I couldn't believe it. I was just like, okay, I can see why so many people love Peter Pan to death. So <laughs> Yeah, it's it is great. I I do love the queue. I agree with you. It's uh it's just a it's such a classic dark ride attraction. Um I'm glad they kept, you know, I, I could see why they keep it around. It gets weights that maintain over an hour, uh, at least at Magic Kingdom. I know it's usually a little less at Disneyland, but yeah. um, I, I, I always love that attraction. So yeah. awesome. So we have Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. We have Peter Pan's Flight. What is the next one on your list? So believe it or not, you're gonna we're gonna actually gonna hop over overseas. It's gonna be a Pooh's Honey Hunt in in, in Tokyo Disneyland. The trackless one. The, the trackless. Yeah. The the reason why I say this is considered one of the greatest dark rides is because Japanese culture really loves Winnie the Pooh more than us. And I just feel like when you see see that. I mean, personally, I've been to Tokyo, but I've seen videos of all that attraction. 
that direction always gets the most like filled up because I mean, I think I remember Randy can actually win a raffle and you already get like, you know, get fa- get fast passes, uh, you know, tickets in order to, uh, you know, ride that attraction. But if you just look at like the, like the, like, uh, the point of views of that attraction, that floor is a dark ride. It's just so interactive and it's just so like gets you right in front of the action. You see like Pooh, Tigger, Eeyore, um, Owl, I'm rabbit and all, and Christopher Robin. It's just like it's just so like fun and it's, it, like I said, it's florist and you know I mean hopefully Disneyland like Disney can consider like bringing like their next uh, florist florist attraction here to like to the parks in the United States since I kind of I admit that Japan gets everything and I'm kind of a little bit jealous of it. <laughs> so yeah, their Imagineering budget I think is a little higher than ours. Yeah, but <laughs> what can you do? Uh, it's, I think, you know, obviously I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but I think you and I can both agree that star Wars galaxy's edge is going to bring a lot of imagineering. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to star Wars. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll fit in this episode. Just maybe <laughs> <laughs> honorable future prediction mentions. Yes. Yes. Um, oh, that's awesome. So that's, that's, uh, that's really awesome. And that's an awesome answer. And again, I didn't put that cause I was not looking at the international parks, but I'm going to yeah. jump to a different park. I tried really hard not to include Horizons because it's not technically around anymore, but that would easily be in my top 10 list. So instead, I kind of shifted to one at Epcot that is still around, but I really mean an older version of it, and that is Journey into Imagination. (laughs) Really? Figman? You really love Figman that much? (laughs) I loved the, I still enjoy doing the attraction. I know people don't necessarily as much anymore who kind of admired that original attraction. I'm probably a little unique in that way because I do still enjoy doing the attraction and it never has much of a weight. So it's a great Mm -hmm. way to break up the day. But I remember going to Epcot as a kid and Journey into Imagination being literally probably my top five favorite rides. It was both original and fun and whimsical and playful and the animatronics were always fun to look at i love the figment animatronics and Dreamfinder, the whole story and the 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 um not the moral but the message yeah. behind it of of following your imagination and creativity it speaks to imagineering it speaks to Mm -hmm. the kid and all of us i loved how the ride vehicles would go around this sort of turntable uh at the beginning when Dreamfinder was singing and introducing and creating figment that part always it's i i literally still have the memories even though i was maybe only seven or eight years old the last time i wrote it so it's one of the things i remember very well um and to me, it is one of those iconic, classic, original Imagineering dark rides. It's not based off of any movie or TV nope. show. Totally it's original, original characters, original idea. Um, and again, it's just, in my opinion, one of the best dark rides Disney's ever created. Um, mm-hmm. Now it's shorter. It's about half the length. It's not quite the same. It's different. Yeah, but it's different. I think it still has a lot of potential. And I think the Imagineers mm-hmm. can still, if they do decide to do anything with this pavilion and keep it to imagination, stick to the theme of imagination and creativity and bring it into the 21st century or to the 2020s, maybe by that point. 
not, not just uh, not to be, uh, 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 just a lot of side note here, but now, I'm not wondering now with that concept of re-entrance of Epcot. I'm kind of wondering, so could that we be see to see the Dream Finder come back? Maybe, 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 because <laughs> that new concept where it looks like <gasps> okay, it looks awesome. Can we please bring bring back you know the Dream Finder, not having Figment being the mascot all twenty four seven? Yeah, that would be incredible. So, yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So. Awesome. So we have that one as well. What is the next one on your list? Are you sticking to Tokyo or are you going to jump to somewhere uh, else? <laughs> I'm going to actually, I'm going to hop, I'm going to make it a, make a hop back to Orlando, Florida. To me, my, uh, my, I, I'm going to have to say this, but, uh, for, for the, I mean, even though I'm not really a big fan, it's frozen ever after. Hey, it's a I great mean, ride. I mean, even though I'm not a big fan of the IP and I saw the movie twice and just because I saw it with friends and everything, but you got to understand that movie, like, revolutionized a, not, not revolutionized, just revolutionized and just like we see in pop culture of that one character, Elsa, and just how much it's just, you know, how much like those like little, like little girls, like, you know, look up to that movie. It's just that movie just like changed like Disney's perspective of the animation and how much it just like, you know, I mean, even with during like, you know, like fortunately during like, you know, cast member uh, t- testing, the, the ride was not, was not working well, fortunately, but you got to understand, but like I said, the animatronics looks, looks awesome. I mean, Sven looks pretty, pretty awesome. Um, even the Adamos, the, the email, you know, the, the snow monster that uh, protects Elsa's castle looks, looks amazing too. I mean, as much as I, I love Maelstrom, I mean, don't worry, I, I still respect the, the OG of, of the Maelstrom, and it's still going to be in my heart forever, but just, like, seeing how much, like, Disney and, like, animatronic technology has changed since the days, like, you know, see from, like, you know, Tiki Room or parts of the Caribbean always up to Frozen, it's just, like, a huge decade, uh, like, uh, like of, of Gavin trying to, like, perfect a craft of, of like, auto uh, animatronic technology, or I think so, in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, listen, I, in the beginning, was a little hesitant or mm-hmm. I'm curious, I think is the right word, as to how that Frozen Ever After would play out. And I I was a cast member at Disney when Maelstrom was around. I wrote it mm-hmm. a lot as a cast member. I was a kid, you know, growing up at Disney when Maelstrom was around. But on the and I loved it, um, and I still I kind of miss it, especially the trolls and everything else. But I, like Walt, am a firm believer in meaningful change, and I do think there was some meaningful change here. I think part of the resistance was the timing and the fact that Frozen had saturated so much of Disney that a lot of guests might have said to themselves, "Enough is enough. We've heard too much about Frozen." But yeah. now we're. Even though Frozen 2 is coming out, I feel like we've passed that wave of Frozen Mm -hmm. oversaturation. And now that I'm in this era and still, you know, I I went on Frozen Ever After my last trip. I went on Frozen Ever After the trip before that. So I, I go on it. I enjoy it. And I appreciate it even more now with Frozen being a few years old. I think it is a really great attraction. Um, And I love how it's still 
feels like Maelstrom because it has mm-hmm. the same track layout, the same yeah. feel to it. You still have that backwards drop and the track switches and it's still fun and, you know, Norwegian inspired, not really yeah. completely Norway, Norwegian based, not Norwegian culture, 100 percent. But um, I, I think it's a great attraction, so I, I wouldn't discredit it. It's pretty uh, to your point. It's it's pretty great. I just I just missed the I just missed the like, the loading dog at at the end of Maelstrom though that, it just makes oh, you feel yeah. like you're, you're, you're in Norway and yeah <laughs> makes you feel like you're in Norway and I'm like oh my god I'm in Norway yeah I do <laughs> so. it was it was a really cool attraction I do miss that yeah. as well um, yeah so oh where should I jump to uh, I'm gonna I'm just gonna switch parks so I'm gonna go to Hollywood Studios I have one if Great Movie Ride were around it would be two but I have one so. There's one dark ride attraction. I wasn't sure. I had to actually double check if it has a height requirement or not, but uh, it it doesn't. Is Toy Story Mania, um, mm-hmm. and you know, traditional dark rides weren't necessarily interactive, and now interactivity yeah. is a big part of a lot of Disney attractions. And Toy Story Mania was I thought a little bit next level for Disney interaction in attractions. That mm-hmm. ride has such rewritability. I still cannot figure out how to get past 300,000, even knowing the cheats. It's it's so tough. I think that the highest score I've I've gotten is around 275,000, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. And that is with going in with a partner. We're both on board with unlocking all of the hidden Easter eggs in there. We would unlock them. It still is so tough to get a high score. It's just to me. I find how interesting how much that ride was like. You know, it was like such a like you know back then when it was first introduced to Hollywood Studios. It was just like it was just not, it was not getting popular. Now with Toy Story Land, is now it's like considered one of like Disney's most uh, highest satisfactory e-ticket attractions. And yeah. like I, I think in Walt Disney World and, and not just Hollywood Studios, but that also applies for for, for Disneyland and uh, and, all, and also Disney California Adventure as well. It's just. It's just how interactive it is, and how, just honestly, but the thing is, you could just how addicting it is. It's, it is. It, 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 I'm. I know it's gonna sound weird, but it's, it's pretty much like the Fortnite of like of Disney, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much like it is. It's pretty much the Fortnite of Disney is just how addicting it is, and just like you just want to keep like you want to get the like you want to get like. I don't say you want to get bragging rights and say, oh man, I got the highest score for the day and everything. It's just that, you know, how much it is just you want to keep replaying it because you just want to like prove your game and prove your skills and it's just and, and i like i said i mean there are some media-based attractions that i don't like but toy story mania is just one of them i i very very much enjoy and i enjoy when i was like when i first even joined when i first went to the park so yeah i i could tell you there is a secret to getting the 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 best score of the day um yeah you rope drop Toy Story Mania. You be the first one online and go with people who have never been on it before. <laughs> and you will true. get for a that's limited true. amount of time, at least, the best the yeah, top score true. of the that's day. Yeah. Um, and even beyond that, I mean, we haven't really talked. I know you talked about the queue for Peter Pan's flight. I love the queue for Toy yeah. Story Mania. Uh, me, too, me too. It's just it's a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, that and I think the other thing, real quick, the so I had a friend who went to Disney recently for the first time, and granted, he is. Not the type of person who watches Disney movies. He does not have Disney merchandise. It's basically, his his girlfriend is a huge Disney nut and took him. And I'm glad that he has this girlfriend to take him because I was never able to convince him to come with me to Disney or anything like that. But he went, and he's also a thrill junkie. He loves 
he, he you know he he would prefer to go to Universal over Disney, which there is an audience for that. Um, yeah, agreed. Yes. Yeah. So, but to me, and here's here's where this is coming back now. His two favorite attractions were because I asked him after the fact: Splash Mountain and Toy Story hmm. Mania. Okay. Okay. That's that's a good start. That's a good start. So yeah. So he said he loved Splash Mountain. So Spl- I was Splash, I was happy. Splash, so- Presented by presented by Ziploc bag. That's Get right. it? Zippity doo dah. <laughs> That's right. Keep your phone dry. Uh, <laughs> cool. Uh, so awesome. What is the next one on your list? So what? We're at what number six? I believe. Uh, where are we now? I can always lose track. One, two, three, four. I think I have said three. You have said three. So you're on your fourth. Yeah. So okay. So to me is this is going to be uh, to me uh, I, I much as all of it. Indiana Jones uh, Adventure in Adventureland in Disneyland. That is quintessentially. I mean, I know it's the same ride vehicle as Dinosaur, and I know Dinosaur got recently handsome. But to me, when I wrote Indiana Jones, I'm like, you just feel like when you when you first I watched Indiana Jones, you just feel like a, like like you know. Of course, I was born in the 1990s, and that movie was made in the 80s. But when I watched that movie, and I'm like, man, you just you're just on the thrill. You're you're just on like. You're trying to like get out, get out of there. I mean, to me, when I was like, when I was when I first rode that, because like I said, Disneyland was my first park when I first rode that attraction, and I was like, when I was put in the driver's seat, I when I went when I hear that 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 you know that burst of air when it feels like there's like like you know spice coming in, I literally was ducking about under this, this, this uh, wheel, and I'm like, oh my god, this, this is how how realistic this is. Boggling how it is, and then when you get to the end, you see the big boulder, and you're like, "Oh God, oh God, back up, back up," and everything. And all of a sudden, you just realize it was just like a like a rubber ball and everything. And you just like high speed out there, and you see India on the rope and everything, and it's just that is just was just like there were like a thrill of association of a dark ride. I mean, it has like pyro and you know just relics and everything. And, and if you're like a diehard Ian and Jones fan, there's tons of Easter eggs from like the previous movies, not not the one with Shia LaBeouf. But it's just that 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 dark ride to me is just was just not just a it's thrilling, but also just so just the re, the the replay value is just like you know just endless to me. Absolutely, it's absolutely one of my favorite attractions too. Um, yeah. I always listen to my top three at Disneyland uh, yeah. easily. So, hundred percent agree. Um, and I know I've done. I will plug. I've done an episode on Indiana Jones Adventure. So. <laughs> yeah. Those of you who haven't listened, go back and listen. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a good episode. So, um, cool. So that's another one for you at Disneyland. I am going to, you know what? I'm, I've jumped from Magic Kingdom to Epcot to Hollywood Studios. So I will go to my one and only at Animal Kingdom, which is Navi River Journey. Of course, uh, you're. Pro- you know, you're, you're probably like the biggest like Pandora fanatic that I know. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. You know what? I know people who are bigger Pandora fans than me. I just okay, love okay. how immersive uh, the whole mm-hmm. world of Avatar is. I love Flight of okay. Passage. I've made it no secret on the podcast before that Flight of Passage. I will get a little motion sick on it, but it is the only attraction that I will push through motion sickness because yes, it is that yeah. good. Um, or do whatever I can. I, I, you know, I've taken like you know those little uh, over-the-counter uh, motion sickness pills just to do it because it's it's worth it for me to do that attraction. Yeah. yeah. Um, but regardless of flight of passage, um, so Navi River Journey is 
here's how I describe it to people. It's the first time I'm saying this on the podcast, but I've told this to people uh, through message or uh, just when we've talked about it. So in my opinion, Navi River Journey is if living with the land and it's a small world had a Pandora alien baby because it has the natural aesthetic of living with the land it feels very natural uh although it is alien um and it has the the song aspect of it like it's a small world ma'ewa mm. just gets stuck in your head all day no matter what um i love the animatronic uh for the shaman of song it's mm. brilliant i know animatronics are always going to get better and better um, yeah. but I just thought that animatronic was brilliantly done. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, I, a, it's a, it's a fun family attraction that anyone can enjoy, which is mm-hmm. another thing I appreciate about it. I, I, I agree because to me, when I first did Pandora for the first time in 2017, I mean, of course, like, of course, my poor mom, she had, she waited about four hours to do a flight of passage. I'm like, Oh, mom, why? <laughs> so, uh, but when I, I was like, but for me, like, uh, like, you know, like I say, for me, I, I had like, so I guess I didn't have a fast bus, but I guess to say that, you know, it was not really long, long away. And I was able to do uh Navi river journey. But to me, like I, like the point you're bringing, you like what I was saying a little bit earlier about, uh, audio animatronic technology, uh, is that that shaman, it was just so fluid. And I'm like, it, it, I'm like, it, are you sure this is animated or is this actually the real deal? Like uh, animatronic, like the shaman. I mean, and I can and I can understand that you know on the other side of the argument, not everyone likes Pandora because I mean our Avatar because James Cameron has been pushing all the movies and everything. Now the movies are all done, they're all shot now, they're ready to be released. And but the cool thing about that, about what James Cameron actually said though, is that the, those future movies will actually be referenced in Pandora: The World of Avatar for when they're released, which I, I had no idea that was a cool, cool unique feature that it, when I was seeing, it. but. Back ends back, but, but, but uh, reflecting back on to the, um, you know, it was like, it's just like the bioluminescence, what, how much they did with Joe Brody and Walt Disney Imagineering, Lightstorm Entertainment is did is just like mind mind boggling. It's just, and I gotta say, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's amazing. It's, I was like, oh my God, this is probably the most beautiful thing I ever seen. And I'm like, am I like, am I like in a dream world here? Or I'm just like seeing just like, something that's never been different from a, or different from like a storytelling perspective that, you know, you're just going through the river. You're, you're just like seeing, experiencing appreciation in nature. And then you're just being one with like the Navi, the Navi tribe or, or I think so. Yeah, it's, it is. That's a great word to use. It's beautiful. That's one of the things yeah. I love about it. It's, it's, it's uh, taking you into a landscape you would never see in real life, um, except in Disney, which makes it amazing. Um, yeah. All right. What do you have next on your list? So number five? I think so. I think we're up to number I, I lose count at some point. <laughs> so number five, uh, I mean, like I said, I mean, I, this is going to go the two ways for me. I love classic OG Tower of Terror as much as everyone loves Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. But to me, Tower of Terror is where I'm going to keep it Disney Hollow Studios. That to me, I was I was in college. I've always like every time before I went to college in order to get like I like, just kept my day ready. I always played the Tower of Terror loop because I was a person who loved jazz music, who loved the 1930s, who loved the 1940s. That to me was probably the most the, the, the most pinnacle, highest highest caliber of Walt Disney Imagineering storytelling of a band hotel on the dark side of Hollywood. And with the integration of the intellectual property of, uh, you know, the tower of tower of terror and being hosted by Rod, Rod Serling, um, 
to me that it was just like you know how much and like you know it was changed over like in the early mid in the early mid 2000s how much is now there's now it's potential rumors or not they may not get changed with uh the twilight zone we read the reboot series with jordan peele is going up is, is coming on uh watching april 1st on the uh, cbs all access uh, stream service it's hard to say this way but the ending we when you fuck on the tour uh towards like how people feel like in uh, california because they had the same as a property of cbs uh, twilight zone but i've been hearing more guest satisfaction over guardians, uh, guardians of the galaxy mission breakup because it's just so like immersive so like um you know, like I gotta get my everyone's comic, comic book fans. He doesn't like like you know comics that much, but it's just very how much of the conversation you see either people like either like saying that like tar, like the classic oh, Tower Terror or Mission, uh, Mission. But if you like I said, it's just it, it, to me is wherever you appreciate both to me. But my heart, oh, but in my, in my my view is the OG Tower Terror in here in Florida. So. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that one. It's uh, regardless yeah. of if you like Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout more or Tower of Terror in Florida more, it's still yeah. hard to argue with the impact and significance mm-hmm. of the original Tower of Terror. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I love that. Love that music mm-hmm. loop as well. Yeah. Uh, so for my fifth, I'm going to... And I love how you actually numbered them, which is like, this is my 10th yeah. favorite, ninth favorite, and eighth favorite, et cetera. I yeah. did not do that. <laughs> so um, my next one, but I'm going to try to actually save my idea of a favorite in here. I'll save it for last. Um, my next one, I'm going to stick with water attractions and go with Living with the Land. Um, okay. It is sort of a... Uh, unsung attraction that most people skip on their way to Soren and for don't many don't even realize that it's there but it mm-hmm. is one of my favorites it is hmm. calming it is I love how it has the real vegetation and fish and I loved and still do going to eat at the garden grill or sunshine seasons and knowing that a lot of what I'm eating was prepared in the greenhouses at the a- looking for land. AKA a- 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 the Epcot food court. That's right. AKA the Epcot <laughs> yes. food court. Um, which is still one of my favorites. And, uh, I, I don't know why, but I have always been just, you know, not enamored, but I've really enjoyed, especially the dark ride portion of living with the land in the beginning of the rainforest, and then you go past the waterfalls and you go through the desert and by the farm. And it's something about its simplicity that I enjoy and the fact that it rarely gets a long wait. Um, that makes it, again, one of those attractions I go to for mm-hmm. a nice little break during the day. Um, so mm-hmm. I've always enjoyed that. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so, I mean, the Living the Land is actually pretty cool. Like it, like you know, because I mean, Epcot, you gotta understand the whole message is about like education, uh, human society, and being inspired and creativity, which it, that's what, what the Living Land's all, all about. And and I get it, some people like think, oh, it's it's a nap spot and everything, but you know, but when if you pay attention to the details, it's kind of cool. You see all like just like you know the, the oversized, you know, like fruits and vegetables, especially during Florida and Garden Festival, they like spruce up and everything, and it's pretty cool how Disney offers like you know the behind the the seeds tour where you can have a walking tour and experience like 
you know, like the, the importance of agriculture and like, how can we protect her and save in our environment, which is kind of cool, which is, you know, that's what's uh, the same message about what, what Pandora is about. I mean, sorry, not Pandora, what this is animal King was all about, about conservation, but living in the land is just to me, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's a cool run, but the only time I see it one time, I think it was it, I went, I think it was 2016. I think I, the living land I saw to me with the longest line was a 75 minute wait. Yeah. And I'm like, really? When technically, and in 15 minutes, I mean, it was like, what's going on here? <laughs> so. Yeah, I've seen it at 30. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw it as long as it was 75 minutes for me. 75 minutes for living the land. Yeah, I think it was a glitch, but I think I saw it once on the app for 60 minutes, and I thought to myself, there's no way that's even possible. But No, I was like, no, there's no way, no way, no. Yeah. So. Um, all right, so we're getting down to the top five or top four at this point. What is your number, f- or maybe there's a top five. What is the next one on your list? So the next one, it's, uh, it's, it's soon going to be coming to Ep- uh, Epcot pretty soon, but currently right now is Ratatou- Ratatouille's uh, Ratatouille in Disneyland Paris. Yeah. Uh, for, for personally, I've never been to Disneyland Paris. That's one of my. Uh, that's one of the, uh, the attractions I. Uh, that's what I really want to go to the uh, Disneyland Paris. But when you see the the the, the POV, it's just like it's just a perfect fit for France. It's a perfect. It's. You know the you know I love that movie Ratatouille. You know you just like it, it, it doesn't matter if you're like you're like watching TV or like you're feeling hungry. You, you just inspired. You're like you learn how to appreciate food. You want to like learn how to make a great meal for everyone. It's just that French that French Parisian style that's going to have like a huge influence. Um, fortunately, Epcot's not going to get the bistro like you know like Paris has. But you know, it's one of those with like you know, in terms of storytelling, and it's, it's a it's a floor it's a floor is dark ride. Um, you know, you see Remy, and you know, uh, oh man, what what's his name? Uh, the chef, uh, oh my god, the boy Gusto. Gusto, yeah, Gusto, yeah, Gusto, and everything, and Gusto's son. What's his Gusto's name? His son again? And name again? Uh, Linguini. Linguini, yeah, Linguini, yeah. Thank you. So. Um, you know, it, it, I just want. I'm going to be very curious of how, like, uh, you know. You know, U.S. U.S. Uh, Disney Park fans are going to actually get the whole reception to uh, uh, Ratatouille when it opens up in Epcot. So, I'm sure it's going to have huge, huge weights, especially in the beginning. I have yeah. been on that attraction; it did not end well for me. Um, oh, it did. It's- <laughs> no. uh, for someone who ha- I will say, if you if you get motion sick on any sort of simulators, just take Ratatouille with caution. Is all I'm going to yeah. say. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm glad I did it because, like you, Ratatouille is one of my favorites. It's my favorite Pixar movie. Um, and I really mm-hmm. appreciated all the details, the imagineering behind it, but physically being on it was not fun for me. No. Uh, <laughs> did it once, probably not going to do it when it opens at Epcot, but I will gladly go enjoy a pastry while I wait for those to finish or enjoy impressions to France or just walk around world show. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so number five on my list, I'm going to go back to, uh, I'm going to stick with Epcot actually, and go with the seas with Nemo and friends. Okay. Okay. Um, I used to like, and I remember like everything I'm doing is sticking to family friendly, no height requirements. Uh, you know, obviously yeah. compared to tower mm-hmm. of terror and a lot of the dark rides you've mentioned, these were yeah. on two different wavelengths. Yeah, um, yeah. so as far as something that the whole family can enjoy, that's in a dark red environment, there's a couple things I love about the seas with Nemo and friends. One, which I talked about in a previous episode is the queue. Um, mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite queues at Disney, although it is short and simple. It right. has, Still great storytelling, and I love how it winds through the beach and then under the pier. And go back and listen to the episode about cues if you want to hear more of my thoughts. But um, the attraction itself is 
like especially when it first came out, I love the technology. It was rather convincing that the Nemo and Marlin and Dory um, and Mr. Mm-hmm. Ray and all of them were right there with you. Um, I love still, it is still convincing the projections of those characters in the aquarium itself against mm-hmm. the other fish in the background. And another thing I will plug for the season with Nemo and friends is the air conditioning. It is one of the oh, coolest bliss. air conditioning bliss. in Florida. So bliss. if you need a break from the day, pretty much the full queue is inside. So if it's a 30 minute wait and you're tired, do that one <laughs> because yes, yes, it I is agree. a I very agree. good cue for staying cool. Um, Agreed. So and check out the aquariums because we you could easily spend an hour in there. So yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely agreed. Agreed. So yeah, so that's that is my number five. We are up to number five. So now we're up to number four. What is your number four attraction? So I'm gonna still stick with stick with relative with app guys. Uh, it's uh that you mean it's 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 right there. It's it's it looks like a golf ball spaceship Earth. I mean. Now the thing about Spaceship Earth is that you know uh, there now that know how there's rumors uh, going forward with Epcot as we mentioned earlier about like the whole uh, entrance redesign that Disney just recently announced. Um, there is rumors circulating right now that the attraction is going to get updated towards like more of like uh, current day things like the advancements in technology, like say the smartphone or in social media, and you know uh, how much like you know. Things are in our in our modern day culture, there's like you know the same dialogue in the, the same, and you know so in some of the scenes the same, and but or maybe with a newer narrator. But to me, it's just that spaceship birth is just like you know like how our future is going to look like and how is because you know that's what Epcot is, but that's what Walt actually uh, designed Epcot for to be a future sitting and just like changing our lifestyle, our our uh, our health, our how we work, how we play, you know how we you know, you know, like, you know, interacting with each other and, and tele and telecommunication. And it's just spaceship birth is to me that it's just like the whole, like to me of a dark ride of a, of a immersive stellar experience. And you could see, you know, um, how much of our, like, you know, technology is, as as passed. And I had to say this, but you got to thank the Phoenicians for it too. So <laughs> always thank the Phoenicians. Yes. Um, you and I have the same number four. So I yeah. will just use this opportunity to talk about the same thing. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I'll ask you actually. What is your favorite version of Spaceship Earth? Was it Walter Cronkite, Jeremy Irons, Judy Dench? Uh, to me, it was Judy Dench. I mean, because for me, because I, I think that's because I was so used to like grow, growing up watching the, the James Bond movies. It's just because I, I'm a huge James Bond um, kind of guy, and it's just, I'm just so used to seeing Judy Dench's uh, uh, voice. Because like whenever he's, like example when she says "Thank Venetian," it's just that line is just so iconic. It's like all across like Disney Park merchandise and everything. Just, oh, it is. You, you just cannot like you know pass it in like. You see, like Mickey's not so scary Halloween parties, and you just see, like, I saw like this, uh, like this one person who was dressed up like as one of the monks uh, sleeping against the desk and everything. <laughs> so I, I, during the Middle Ages, it was things pretty cool, it's and it's just, and you know, and I see well, there's someone who dressed up as Foxy Brown. I mean, it's just they're just like people just love like dressing up as characters because it's just how old and iconic of an attraction is when you know when Epcot opened in 1982, and it just you know celebrates 35th anniversary not that long ago. So yeah, it's it's hard to argue with that being a great ride. I I do love the 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 current version. Which Judy Dench, but my personal favorite is the Jeremy Irons version. Always has a place in my heart hearing uh, Jeremy Irons talk through the narration of it. I also, I, I will admit, I miss the old 
ending to the attraction when they did have the uh, show scenes along the side as you were going backwards as opposed to now with it being more yeah. screen based in your vehicle. Um, and it was something really sort of empowering and um, almost whimsical about that final descent backwards into the load area when you see this, uh, I guess they were um, fiber optics, uh, these fiber yeah. optic lights that kind of like Almost like sprinkling like, you with pixie dust as you're going yeah, down. Yeah, or it looks like, or like when you go up there, it looks like you're in the stars, and you look like you're just like looking up and everything. So, yeah, yeah. yeah so for that, I mean, I missed that one, but I, I still love the current version. It's, it's yeah, it's easily one of my top favorites. So awesome. So that that was quick because I have the same one. Um, we're getting down to number three. What's your number three? Okay. So number three. Oh man, it was on top of my head. Uh, okay, number three. It's, it's no brainer. Parts of parts of the Caribbean, parts of the Caribbean is whether either you've been hearing the like the talks of saying the reboot is not going to happen or not, and you know, but parts of the Caribbean is uh, to me, and I and I'll I'll explain why I'm with my top one, but Pirates is quintessentially Mark Davis's and Al's uh, and Walt Disney's uh, ba- baby. That what they did for New Orleans Square just maybe made me because when I was learning about the history parts made me more of a little bit of a New Orleans Square fanboy, even though I've never been to New Orleans in my in my, in my whole life in Louisiana. But it's just that I love that New Orleans bourbon street, jazzy, you know, French style inspired, you know, type of area and like. How it's like, you know, the Audimantronics and, you know, of course, you know, we're judging about how we feel about the redhead and, you know, and which I can understand you and respect your opinion. But, you know, Pirates has had some controversial changes over the years. But to me, it's just that uh, that was actually Walt Mark Davis's like, like, again, a child and how much they you know, the Imagineers and the, how much they put all, all the time. And, and, you know, like I said, you know, parts was supposed to be originally part, it was supposed to be a part of a walkthrough, walkthrough museum, uh, called, you know, uh, museum, the uh, wax museum that didn't have. So it was split up and everything. And, you know, parts just celebrated his anniversary. I think was it's 50th anniversary. Not that long ago. I think it was it 2017, 16. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. I think it was only a year so, ago or two yeah, years ago. A year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Two years ago, but it's just, Parts of the Caribbean is just like, you know, how much it is. I mean, now the integration with the, how they put Johnny Depp in the movie, but because it mean you know, the ride inspires the attraction and, you know, vice versa. But it's just that to me, like I said, I'm all about the classics and that's just one of my top, like, uh, like, you know, top, like, you know, caliber ever created. So, yeah, you took my number one. It was Pirates of the yeah. Caribbean. It's it's my favorite attraction at the Magic Kingdom um, as far as classics are concerned. It's really hard for me, and people ask me this question all the time. What's your favorite attraction? Um, but, uh, like, for all-time favorite attractions, Pirates is up there for me. It's, if it's not number one, it's number two or number three. It's, it's really um, – mm-hmm. I agree about the history of it, especially the Disneyland version is incredible. I love yeah. the Disneyland version, but I still love – for me, what I love about the Walt Disney World version in the Magic Kingdom is the queue. Um, I think that kind of beats Disneyland's for me, but the ride of Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland is just stellar. I mean, did you buy? Did you buy since the uh, the updated did for in Disneyland's where they added a uh, like an an effect where see the pirate actually was like it was actually a lost concept. That was a lost concept. Uh, That was a concept that never made the cut during the uh, when Pirates was uh, first built. It was a Mark Davis concept, and it was really really cool. The reference it was like in that like an octopus. I think the story goes like 
it was an octopus, uh, like, you know, just like ate up, ate up a pirate and, you know, and then that's where I turned to a skeleton. So, <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it in person yet cause I haven't been to Disneyland since they updated yeah. it, but I have seen yeah. the videos. They look amazing. And then, you know, then Walt Disney World, you got to argue that though, that the mermaid effect that, well, as much as cool it was, but unfortunately they took it out. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I noticed that when I went back, uh, I think back in September, I noticed they took that out and I was a little disappointed because I did like that mermaid scene. But um, so for me, I already know. So like I said, that was my number one. Um, so I have my number two and my number one. I know what your number one is, so I'm not going to say that one. So I think this is probably my last one and then I'll hear what you have to say. Um, but my number two is Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And again, like this is not in any particular order. Pirates is number one for sure, but the others were kind of uh, out of order. I'd put Toy Story Mania ahead of Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin if we were doing this in order. But I still love Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin, although it does get some long waits, and you might have to wait sixty minutes for it nowadays. If you grab yourself a Fast Pass Plus, it's a still a fun game. Uh, it's one of the games I can max out on if I try. Um, if I get lucky, uh, too. Um, but it was one of the first times, like I talked about Toy Story Mania making an attraction more interactive, but Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin was kind of more of an uh, original um, mm-hmm. OG uh, interactive attraction. So I, I really loved um, Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin when I was growing up, and then even now it's still fun to to feel like you're battling against Emperor Zerg and his army and, uh, you know, even just passing it on the TTA, you get a sense of how cool that attraction looks in the dark. Agreed, agreed. And especially if you see the one in Shanghai Disney, which is, like, next level. And I'm like, oh, it's like, wow. It it puts our Buzz Lightyear to look at the shame. So, (laughs) so. Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, so, like I said, I you, you took my number one, so I only have one left. So I definitely I'm going to give you the chance to do two of them because I know that we share yeah. the the same yeah. last. I, one. I got I got two more, and you obviously know what my number yeah. one is. But <laughs> so you, you'd be surprised. You could be surprised what my, my number two is. So <laughs> I am. I actually have no idea. So I'm curious to hear what your number two is. Surprisingly, it's going to be Journey to the Center of the Earth in, to- in Tokyo. It's Disney oh, Tokyo that's a great Sea. answer. That's to, a great Disney answer. Tokyo Sea because if you see the animatronic that in that that thing, it's like. Oh my God, that is like insanely like huge. I mean, when I want, I mean, I can understand if people are a little bit claustrophobic, but if you're like a big Jules Verne fan and you just like that, that sci-fi, you know, you know, like fantasy exploration, I mean, Journey to the Sun of the Earth is quizzically not Disney Tokyo Sea's like best, like, you know, dark ride ever created because it's right there as a giant volcano. I mean, to me, in my opinion, it, that Disney Tokyo Sea is considered like the meta of all Disney parks because of how just thematically mind blowing and overwhelming that park is. It's just like I want to go there so bad, and it's just like because it's like if not probably my, my most top like you know you know Disney parks I want to visit the most because the, the concept, the story, and you know like I said if you're like if you're Jules Jules Verne fan or not, it's just how much it is and just, you know, the story and it's just all the exotic creatures. And because personally, I, I'll watch all the videos on YouTube as I've seen that video, not many videos, but it's just, it's just how crazy mind boggling that attraction is. <laughs> yeah. My cousin has been to Tokyo Disney, um, including Disney sea, of course now twice and wants to go back again. And he has told me, and he's, he's 
a frequent visitor to both Disneyland and Walt Disney World um, since he's been a kid. So uh, he has told me that of those parks that he's been to, um, Journey to Sanity Earth is easily his favorite attraction. Um, yeah. And he thinks is the best. So yeah. I think it's a great answer. Um, so let's jump to the last one. I know we both have on our list, but I'll let you say it because you already talked about it earlier a little bit. And I want to hear what you have to think about it's the Haunted Mansion, right? The Haunted Mansion, if not the probably the birth, if not the creator, if not the most evangelical way of his time of all dark rides of all dark rides. <laughs> It is brilliant. I will say you, that you you just got to think of how much that 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 was just a simple idea from like Mickey Mouse Park was supposed to be supposed to be in you know Glendale, California, didn't work out, and realized that you know there was a whole debate between it was to be happy, it was scary. It's just that the illusionary the how much like how much has been changed over the and not to mention it's celebrating its fiftieth anniversary this year. And just that ride to me was made me utterly, I gotta say, utterly godly obsessed with how, like understanding the story. Like the, the, the whole, like if you understand how much of that, of that attraction has like changed how we view our perspective, like dark rides, Haunted Mansion is a, like, you cannot get any, you cannot replicate an attraction any more better because from, the story of like, you know, whole like, you know, like the queue, the, you know, the characters, the, you know, how like, I love how the cast members, especially the treat you, you are part of an, a retirement home for ghosts. Yeah. Even though, even though the ghosts are, doesn't have, they're not official canon names, but you know, in their, in our minds and the, in the fandom that, you know, we represent like, you know, like Ezra and, you know, Phineas and, you know, Hatboss goes and Constance Hatchaway. I mean, it's just you know it's just it changed in merchandise you know comic comic books I mean novels I mean even Disney had the you know the interactive experience where they had a custom dialogue and it's just that attraction to me is just I just became utterly obsessed like because of how much it's it's, it's, it's mostly and I gotta say mostly ninety percent of my Disney park mer- merchandise is mostly the Haunted Mansion <laughs> hands down that's how much I'm like huge nut for it so it has it definitely has a huge following. You're not yeah. alone there. I know people yeah. who are obsessed with the Haunted Mansion. I I love the Haunted Mansion. I, I yeah. don't have, I think, I think a good way to differentiate maybe how obsessed people are with it is if they have a lot of merchandise for it or not. I have some, yeah. but not a lot. Yeah. And I can appreciate, though, and do appreciate the, to your point, the storytelling, the practical effects that are still convincing today that are yeah. centuries old. and. Yeah how cleverly done i i promise I'm, I'm saving a lot of this because i am going to be doing a haunted mansion podcast episode it is long overdue Ooh. i have a list of these top attractions that i haven't gotten to that people have messaged me asking when you're going to do this attraction and i promise haunted mansion is one of them on the list well so I will well, get gotta, to it. well well even though you, here, here's my point so haunted, haunted mansion is considered like the best in the united states but the best haunted mansion in the world is phantom manor phantom manor is considerably the best because absolutely now now phantom manor is going to be it's been a long overdue refurbishment in, in this land paris i mean my concern is are they going to change story up but the thing that makes me a little bit excited for is they somehow found the original narration of vincent price and that attraction and for me who was a bit of a big of a horror, horror kind of guy uh especially how do you appreciate for universal classic monsters and 
watching like Psycho and all those movies. But to me, like hearing Vincent Price all like the you know, restoration just brings me the fact they that a lot of the uh, British and British and French all locals um, will like you know appreciate hearing Vincent Price narration again because that, because to me Phantom Manor for those who know it is like it's a more of a darker approach to the haunt. So it's like it ignores all like the retirement home and it's it's perfectly intertwined to you know Big Thunder Mountain Frontierland about. A mining, like you know, mining, uh, mining town that went wrong, and then a curse co- co- took over for the Phantom, and it's just, it's just that darker approach, and it's just like, to me, as much as I appreciate the Haunted Mansion that in, in her story, but to me, the Phantom Air has a bigger backstory and a bigger, much richer, uh, you know, in terms of detail for for that attraction. And if you hop over to Hong Kong, Hong Kong from Mystic Manor is considered to me one of like I think Hong Kong's best dark rides, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, it, it's. I, I have to do an episode probably I could probably do an episode and probably will on each of the Haunted Mansions around the world yeah. because they and then just the Haunted Mansion as a whole, uh, the whole folklore behind it and storytelling yeah. behind it is incredible. And I do love to your point how they have the different Haunted Mansions in different lands. Each one yeah. is in a different land. No two are in the same land. So it's it's yeah. really it's it's so interesting. I want to save it for a whole podcast episode <laughs> uh, to yeah, talk I more know. about it. I mean, but, I mean, I mean, but please, Gilmore tutorial, please announce the Haunted Mansion movie that's been long overdue. Please, yeah, please. I will have to see if it if it uh, if it comes to fruition. <laughs> um, it has been long overdue, but. Yeah um amazing we got through 10 um which is awesome and as always we went over an hour so yeah hey i'm not complaining with that <laughs> i know i know uh i know it's it's usually the listeners uh i know you all home enjoy listening to our our, our discussions about this as well so uh, i could chat up a storm about this any day but brian for you i i definitely i'll, I'll include your your profiles in the the description of the podcast but uh for those who are listening where can they find you on social media and elsewhere so so you can follow me uh like i said you can follow my uh, handle on twitter it's at skywalker brian also i'm um, instagram skywalker brian follow my sites uh social media uh, at skywalking adventure i'm located on instagram facebook and twitter uh, also, I've been posting uh, most of my main site at skywalkadventure.com and posting a lot of news lately, especially in the past, like right now, 24 hour, eight hours has all been Star Wars Palooza right now. So um, definitely go check out that. Um, like I said, I also cover Universal uh, Parks and Resorts, uh, but especially ma- mainly in Orlando and uh, Hollywood and also cover SeaWorld, uh, mainly in uh, San Diego and Orlando, too. So if you guys want to, like, say, you just if you guys are Disney fans but he cares about other parks, definitely come check me out. And like I said, it's, it's definitely worth reading, in my opinion. So, yep, definitely give him a definitely give him a, a check him out. I should say on those on those platforms. So, and again, I'll put the the, the links in the descriptions below. But Brian, thanks for coming onto the podcast. I know it's long overdue, and I know. Uh, very long with overdue. Us about this topic. I know it's just like it's just kind of crazy. I've been knowing since the days of roller coaster tycoon days, man. And I'm like, oh man, I just can't believe you were like that. I had this new project, and it's just crazy how far you came. And it's just like, well, you're building like you know roller coaster and Disney theme park are the you know things that you love, and it's just now we're here we are today. So <laughs> I know it is crazy.
with that, we close out episode 41 of the Imagineer podcast. I hope you enjoyed this discussion regarding our favorite Disney dark rides. And I, of course, want to hear from you what your favorite dark ride attractions are across the Disney parks, whether you focus just on Walt Disney World, on the U.S. Disney parks, or on the Disney parks around the world. You can send me your feedback in so many different ways. You can either send me an email at imagineyourpodcast at gmail.com, or you can send me a direct message on any of our social media channels. You can reach out to me on Facebook and Instagram at Imagineer Podcast. You can join our Facebook group, which is the Imagineer Podcast Disney fan community, or you can send me a message on Twitter at Imagineer Audio. And if you would like to hear your voice on a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast, I would encourage you to call our voicemail, which is 516-406-8376. Again, that's 516-406-8376. Feel free to call whether you want to share your thoughts about this or any episode of the Imagineer Podcast, or if you want to leave a shout out from the parks to let us know that you are visiting any of the Disney parks around the world. We would love to hear from you and to share your feedback and voicemail on a future episode of the Imagineer podcast. If you haven't already taken the time to subscribe to our show, I hope you'll do so. Whether you subscribe in iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast app is, be sure to subscribe to us there. And if you have a second to leave us a rating and a review, especially in the iTunes store, that does so much to help our podcast to grow. And I do want to thank a couple of new reviews that came in, some five-star reviews on iTunes. One comes from MaxGamer21, who says, Disney when I'm not at Disney. Love this show. Helps me keep that Disney magic alive when I'm not able to be at the parks, and I've learned some really fun facts I didn't know. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much, MaxGamer21. I'm glad you've learned some new things. And another uh, review comes in from MacP93, who says, Amazing podcast. I stumbled across this podcast a few weeks ago and got hooked right away. I'm an out-of-state pass holder and always get the quote-unquote Disney blues when I'm away from the parks. This podcast helps me relive the things I love so much about Disney, and it gets me excited for my next trip. Not to mention, I have learned a lot of interesting facts along the way. Give it a listen and enjoy. Mac P93. Thank you so much for that review. And again, if you have not taken the time to rate and review the show, it does so much to help our community to grow. So definitely appreciate any of your efforts to uh, review our podcast. And one of the best things you can do for the show, if you love the Imagine Your Podcast, is to share it. Whether you share it out with your friends on your favorite social media pod, uh, social media app, you can definitely share it to your Instagram story or in a post or tweet it out or share on a Facebook post or messenger or text message or email or whatever your preferred method of sharing is. Every new subscriber does make a huge difference. And I want to thank those of you who have continued to share out the podcast with each and every new episode. I've noticed it and it has gone a long way. So thank you so very much for doing so. And I also want to give another special shout out to our VIP members over on 
Patreon who are supporting the show financially and getting some extra special rewards and exclusive content in return. So if you would like to help support the show and get some of those exclusive rewards, I would invite you to visit patreon.com slash imagine your podcast to learn more about our different VIP options starting for literally as little as a dollar a month. And again, get some exclusive content and rewards in return. Um, and all of your contributions go to help support the Imagineer podcast and all of our efforts to continue to bring the magic to you. As always, I want to remind you that it is always possible to accomplish your dreams. I hope you're doing everything you can to make a better life for yourself, to find happiness, and to bring more positivity into your world. Remember, as always, that quote from Horizons, if you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you as always for listening, and I look forward to seeing you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast. Podcast.